It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. It is the doctor's visit edition of the podcast. Uh, Mitchell Forty and Gabe DeArmond here. Michael Porter Jr. somewhere in Dallas. No, we don't know what the doctor told him. No, we don't expect to find out what the doctor told him today. So what we're going to do is actually talk about the basketball team that is on the floor for Missouri, and that means on Saturday, a visit to Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. We are going to talk with T.J. Walker, who covers the Wildcats for Rivals.com. T.J., how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How are you all? Yeah, not bad. Uh, like like I said, we're just uh, you know watching people stalk flights to uh, to and from Dallas and Columbia, and I guess apparently think they're going to be able to figure something out from that. So you know, it's good. I feel like you all have been stalking flights for a little while now. You all have had a few different coaching searches. I know football hired from within, but at least in basketball, so a lot of plane tracking out in Columbia. Yeah, it's usually plane tracking. This is to make sure an 18-year-old is going to the doctor, as uh, his coach told us he was last <laughs> week. So whatever. Anyway, like I said, we're, we're going to talk about the game. So Kentucky, the last time Missouri saw him, really kind of a lackluster effort, and since has kind of turned it on and had a pretty good week. Yeah, that Kentucky game, the first one against Missouri and Columbia, was a little strange to me because Kentucky certainly played horrible. But I don't think Missouri played very well either in that game. And I think Kentucky fans going into it thought they were probably going to lose, but maybe it comes down to the wire. But after, and if you have that mindset going in, you're not going to get overly frustrated with a loss. But everything kind of changed when you saw how poorly Missouri played. And you said, well, damn, if they played this bad on their home floor – Kentucky had every chance to maybe win that game despite how poorly they played. So I think Kentucky fans ended up getting frustrated regardless, even though they knew going into that game that it may be a tough one to pull out. Uh, But heading into this one, Kentucky is playing better. Uh, I don't know if they have turned the corner just yet. What I want to see is uh, the offense has looked so much better in the last two games. But I want to see it against a team that's going to try to muddy up the game a little bit, be really physical, really aggressive, and make Kentucky settle in the half court and work through their half court offense. And boom, perfect timing because Missouri will make them do all those things when they come into town on Saturday. So I think that will be the real test on if Kentucky has turned the corner or not is how they play against Missouri. Because we know if Kentucky's going to play a team that's going to run up and down and try to score 90 points, that UK is going to be just fine or at least just competitive. But uh, against half-court offenses where things have been really ugly, as you all saw in that first game. TJ Mitchell Forty here. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Kentucky fans uh, getting a little frustrated uh, with their uh, four-game losing streak here recently. Um, you know, I know being a rivals writer, you uh, have the pleasure of interacting with fans on message boards. Uh, what what exactly was uh, was the level like within the fan base during that period? It was to be to be frank with you. I, I think it was probably the worst it's ever been when it comes to John Calipari's era at Kentucky. They obviously went to the to the NIT in 2013, but that's when their best player and a top 10 pick in Maryland's Noel was injured uh, midway through SEC play. And I think it was kind of clear the writing was on the wall at that point. Plus Kentucky was coming off a national championship Mm -hmm. the year before. So it maybe gave them a little leeway there. So I think it was actually uh, the most panic and the most frustration that I've seen in the John Calipari era. And you mix it in with Kentucky, uh, God forbid, is going to finish number three maybe in the team recruiting rankings and Duke has seemingly surpassed them as the it school 
Kentucky fans really don't like that. And I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not trying to poke fun at them for that. It is, it is frustrating when you have three of your top targets and you, you lose all of them to the same school when you will consider yourselves the king of recruiting. So I get the frustration there, but it's kind of just been this this whole cluster. Everything has come together, and Kentucky fans are really disappointed. Um, of course, I think they've realized that it's a good problem to have. It's a good luxury to have, but they still don't really necessarily care. Uh, Kentucky basketball has been super fun over the last few years under John Calipari. They've been a contender almost every single year. And I'm starting to think that Kentucky fans maybe are coming around that this team could potentially make a run, although I'm not ready to go there just yet. Well, there's a famous line here in Columbia, Missouri, that Texas uh, Athletic Director DeLos Dodds at one point said, uh, you know, our bad years are better than their good years. Um, and I think this season kind of proves that for Kentucky. Like, it is a fan base that has gotten so used to a ridiculous level of success that a a level of success that would be good for 90% of programs in America is, like, panic level there. Yeah, it really is. And I want to say, since John Calipari took over UK, that he has been ranked in the top two or three Every single year at some point during the season, with the exception of this year, because I think they started even the NIT year in the top three. But every, And then I think there's only been maybe two years where he hasn't been number one at some point during the season. I mean, and I know Kentucky, they've, they've come up short a few times, and they only have one national championship. Uh, but overall, the Kentucky fans, they, they, their expectations are super high. But they have to remember why the bar is set high. Uh, Kentucky went to an NIT with Billy Gillespie. He didn't win one tournament game. At UK, Tubby Smith, the last few years there, despite the hot start for Tubby Smith and seemingly always competitive, the last few years, Kentucky was nine and ten seeds, eight and nine seeds in the NCAA tournament, not advancing to the second weekend. Calipari is the one who has set the bar as high as it is right now. So when Kentucky fans get frustrated, they have to realize why they're getting frustrated, and that's because the expectations and things have been so good lately. Uh, but again, uh, you know, I guess that's when you're one of the biggest fan bases in college basketball. You have to take some of the some of the bad with the good. Yeah, well, uh, I know I know there's some Missouri fans who uh, wish they could complain about a, <laughs> a team like that, but uh, you know, I know uh, you know you kind of mentioned uh, that Kentucky has uh, looked a lot more improved offensively lately. Give just kind of a uh, you know our, our listeners a, a key key to the game on Saturday, if you will. Like Kentucky wins if they do blank. I, I hate that I'm going to say this because I feel like your all's listeners could just go to the average Joe down the street and get this opinion. But <laughs> if Kentucky just makes their open shots, mm-hmm. they're, I, I legitimately think they're a top 10, top 15 team in the country. The issue is they're not a great shooting team. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't hit their open shots. They didn't hit their open shots in the first meeting in Columbia. So uh, that's really what it comes down to. I think the offense actually this year has, has been as, as efficient as a John Calipari offense has been in terms of getting guys open, going through, uh, your sets, and the, obviously it's not a true dribble drive anymore, but it's somewhat close to it. Guys are getting open looks all the time, and and this team has the build of a team that can go deep in March because you have an attacking guard that can get to the rim, and you're going to have shooters on the perimeter, except these shooters, you want maybe somebody that's going to shoot 40, you, you want one forty-five percent three-point shooter, and then maybe somebody else that's in above 40 uh, this team doesn't quite have that. So the shooters really aren't there. So if they hit open shots, they're so tough to beat because of their length, their size, their speed. They have solid depth. Uh, but the issue is they've been kind of helter-skelter on whether or not they, they hit their open shots. So that's what I think it comes down to on Saturday, especially the game being at Rupp Arena. I think Kentucky can be somewhat cold and still at least 
at least it could go down to the wire to which team makes the the more more plays in the final four minutes. Yeah, that uh, that does not bode well for Missouri. I don't know how much you've watched them lately, but uh, <laughs> the last four minutes, let's say, are not the strong point. Uh, who's who's kind of the key to you? I mean, I know Kevin Knox is the leading scorer, had a, a really tough game in Columbia. Shy Gilgis Alexander is kind of the guy that that really makes it go. Jared Vanderbilt and Hamadou Diallo seem like the guys that eventually people think are going to be really good but haven't really been good this year. So uh, who's the guy that, hey, if this guy plays well, Kentucky's got a chance, not just Saturday, but long-term to get this thing going? Let me ask you this. Are the Missouri fans going to travel to Rupp Arena and do Kevin Knox there, too? <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard. Uh, did, did that? That was insane. I mean, A, I was shocked that happened. Like, I, I don't. I honestly don't really know why. Like, long ago, Ryan Robertson from St. Louis committed to Kansas, and he got that treatment when he was here, but that made sense. Like, Kevin Knox never really did anything but take a visit with his buddy, but do you think that got in his head somehow? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And I even, I don't know if I'm I'm supposed to be saying this, but I spoke with somebody close to the family that said that he was shook because it just was such a surprise. It was like, he, he did Missouri a favor by visiting. He had already cut his list. He was down to his final candidate. And then Quanzo Martin came to Missouri, and he said, you know what, I'm going to throw them a bone and see, at least give them the time of the day to see what they have to say. He was actually doing them a favor. I think maybe some Missouri fans maybe felt a little wet on by the whole deal. And it, it's all in good fun. I was being facetious when saying, are Missouri fans going to come to Rupp right. Arena? I said, hey, it worked. The dude played horrible in that game at Missouri. And I know for a fact that it got into his head. So, uh, I, I understand it. It's sports and it's all in good fun, but he, he needs to play well. Really, it's, it's come down to scoring's the biggest issue for Kentucky. They're going to rebound well. They'll defend well enough for the most part. They'll have their terrible stretches, but they'll, they'll do what they have to do. It comes down to Shea Alexander, Gilgis Alexander, uh, Quade Green, and Kevin Knox have to be contributing offensively. It can't just be two. It uh, can't just be one. It's got to be all three doing stuff. Now, you know, two of the guys could finish with eight or ten points and then the other one with 21 or 22 points. And the way that it, it, it averages out can differ from game to game, but all three of them have to be threat scoring or else this just doesn't work offensively for UK because they don't have really any good uh, any other good offensive players. So that's UK's backcourt. They have to be hitting shots and they have to be scoring. P.J. Washington's a solid post player. Jared Vanderbilt has been so fun to watch. And I know some of you all were on the recruiting scene more this year than maybe in some years past, so maybe or the last two years. Like, so maybe you got to like see a little bit more Jared yeah. Vanderbilt. Yeah, but uh, he is super fun to watch. He's finally healthy. He's playing like 15 to 20 minutes a game, and he's still flirting with a double-double in, in, in recent games. I think he is probably maybe the best rebounder in the SEC. It's just we've gotten to see so little of him because of the foot injury, but he's finally starting to come out of his shell a little bit. So UK's front court, they're going to do what they have to do. They're going to defend. They're going to rebound. They'll alter some shots and do all that stuff, but they're not great offensively. So really, if Kentucky wins or loses games, it comes down to their backcourt of Quade Green, Shea Gill, just Alexander, and Kevin Knox to score. They probably need to combine for at least 40 points for, I think, Kentucky to uh, to pull off the win on Saturday. Interesting. Um, you know, I know there's been some uh, stories that have come out lately about uh, – the uh, FBI probe into uh, college basketball kind of underbelly, if you will. And one story yesterday said if you've had a uh, first-round pick in the last three years, you should be worried. Obviously, you know, Kentucky has had a few uh, first-round picks. What What is just kind of the level of apprehension uh, among the fan base right now? You know, the crazy thing is, is it's a lot more, for such a, a rabid, crazy fan base, it's a lot more calm than you would think or that I would think. And there's a clear reason why it is. Do you all have any guesses? 
Uh, Not a clue. No. U of L. Oh, oh, there you go. I should have known. Yeah. Got the banner taken down, the of course. Yeah. They got the banner taken down, and they were the first team. They were mentioned by name already in yeah. the FBI stuff. So whatever happens to Kentucky can't be worse than what happens to their rival, right? You would think. So honestly, I think that's the reason why UK fans aren't as panicked as I think they would normally be in the situation, is that everything that has that could possibly go wrong at UofL has already happened. So if it goes wrong at Kentucky, too, well, you know what? It's probably not going to be as bad as those guys down the road, uh, which whether or not that's fair, I guess that's everybody's opinion. But uh, I think Kentucky fans should be worried. I think Duke fans should be worried. Kansas, Kansas, are Kansas fans worried? You'll have a better pulse on that because they should be absolutely terrified. They, yeah, they are clearly the team. I, I've talked to a few people that, uh, that yeah, there is a uh, there's a definite level of, oh, my God, what might happen here? Yeah, I mean, they, they always take the chance on the guys that seem to be a little shady to have red flags around them. They've had several players already get in trouble. Uh, more players are, are likely to follow. Kansas would be the team that I would, and obviously would be everything with Adidas, and, and they are Adidas's uh, poster child, golden child, when it comes to college basketball. But, yeah, I think they're going to get in trouble. If I'm a Duke fan, I'd be worried. UNC fan, I'd be worried although they seem to be immune to NCAA punishments. <laughs> right. But Kentucky fans should be worried. Probably IU, UCLA. I mean, any team that has recruited somewhat well over the last five years, I would be I would be concerned. And I'm not going to tell Kentucky fans to panic and that you will undoubtedly get in trouble. But I think at this point, if we can believe what Pete Thamel said and Yahoo Sports said, which we have no reason not to because they, they obviously know what they're talking about. They're some of the best journalists in the world. Then – I think a lot of programs are at least going to be mentioned, and I think as as of today, I would be a little surprised if Kentucky or Kentucky player wasn't mentioned. But the reason I tell Kentucky fans to, to calm down and wait for everything to settle is, one, we don't know when the timetable on this is going to be. Why worry about something today that may not come out for three years? It's just going to waste your time and make you unhappy. Also, we don't know the extent. While Pete Thamel certainly seemed like a lot of programs were going to get absolutely hammered, he also mentioned that some of it may not even get the NCAA's attention, uh, and, and some of it was a very small amount of money. Some of it the players didn't know, the parents didn't know, the coaches didn't know. It was just agents dealing with some other people, maybe AAU coaches. So we also don't know the extent of it. So while I think to some degree Kentucky will be mentioned, I just think when you're recruiting at this high level, you're probably going to be mentioned. To maybe maybe you don't get in trouble, but you at least get mentioned. Um, we don't know the We don't know the extent. We don't know how bad it's going to be. We don't know who will be involved, who won't be involved. So it's not worth getting upset at right now. But I think you'd be naive to say, well, no, Kentucky's going to be clean. Everything's going to be fine with UK. I think that's a naive thought process. And to be honest with you, it, it, it could. It, I wouldn't be shocked if some smaller schools also got in trouble. Recruiting's a dirty game. And it's not just dirty at the top. It's dirty all across the board. So while it certainly seemed like they said, you know, programs that have gone far in the tournament and programs that were mentioned in the NCAA early selection process, the 16 teams, I think they said half those teams could get in trouble. Uh, I think it's going to be across the board. And I also do wonder, I'm curious, your opinion, how will the NCAA even go about this? Could you imagine right, if they yeah. had 50 or 60 FBI cases? We're talking a decade before maybe punishments come down. Look, Brian Bowen's children are going to be playing college <laughs> basketball before the NCAA does something. Uh, I, I, I will say, TJ, I, I promise you will be the most well-received guest in PowerMizzou.com podcast history after your take on Kansas. So <laughs> well done there. Um, and, and I will also say for the Missouri fans listening, look, if your program gets snared up in this, they're the worst cheaters ever because you don't <laughs> cheat for the, what they've put on the floor the last three years. If they cheated for that, 
Like, I'll just say, give the program the death penalty and don't allow anybody to ever come back. Um, but, all right, let's move on. Last last couple, just, just kind of uh, back to uh, this year. The SEC tournament, I shocked somebody in St. I was on radio in St. Louis uh, a couple days ago, and somebody said, so what do you think the, the fan base, the fan breakdown is going to be like here in St. Louis? And I said, 55% Kentucky, 35% Missouri, and 10% somebody else. And they said, Really? Kentucky? I said, you have obviously never been to an SEC tournament. It's a five-hour drive, and those people are going to take over St. Louis, right? Well, and it's also worth mentioning how many Kentucky fans live in Louisville. The split in the city is probably 55-45, and it's a huge city. And then you got to think about all the fans in western Kentucky as well that could be making an hour Southern drive, Missouri. Hour yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, Kentucky fans, it is one of the fan bases that impressive in the sense that throughout the entire state, which is a really long state, it's like seven hours to drop from one end to the other, uh, it's spread out equally. Only Louisville is the only other city that maybe has a majority of another fan base. Even Bowling Green down in where Western Kentucky is is predominantly Kentucky fans down there. So, they show up in huge, huge numbers. I know the folks in St. Louis, and, and I know this is kind of the Missouri, this is their chance to, to, to show out big in the SEC tournament. It really would have been a great year for it to stay in Nashville because you know Auburn would have brought a ton of fans. You know Alabama probably would too with uh, the, the Tide having a successful season. Tennessee just down the road. Um, Missouri would travel because their fans travel at a, a solid clip. Kentucky fans just basically live in Nashville. So I, it, it's kind of a bummer for the SEC, I'm sure. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be a huge, huge chunk of Missouri fans, a huge chunk of Kentucky fans. They're going to mingle with each other. The first team to lose between those two, then it's going to be just a home court advantage for the other team in terms of just the SEC. And when those teams are playing each other, assuming they're not playing one another, um, it will be predominantly their fans there as well. I do think you'll see a decent number of Tennessee fans. They travel well for basketball. And I do think if you're an Auburn fan and you're not traveling the SEC tournament this year, then what's the point of ever traveling ever again? So I think you'll see maybe some Auburn fans make the trip as well. But how about the six-way tie for third place? And then you bring in, I think it's the top 12 teams are all within two games from third to 12. Uh, We will never see anything like this in the SEC again. And it truly just shows that the SEC tournament in St. Louis, I think there's probably one of 10 teams that could win it. I think there's maybe four teams that would surprise me. Oh yeah, it's an absolute toss-up right now. Um, you know, I know this is tough, tough to uh, predict, just uh, given how uh, young and inconsistent the, this Kentucky team has been. But uh, just your gut reaction: Do you think this is a team that has figured it out over these last couple games and is going to go on to, you know, potentially make a run in March, or uh, are they just too, too young and too inexperienced? Yeah, I, 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 I hate this answer. It's, I, I don't know. I, I think that I wouldn't be shocked if they lost in the first round to a twelve or an 11 seed or something along those lines, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the Final Four. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the national championship. But I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they were able to string together four games. This UK team, they just play everybody close. And that's why uh, Tuesday's game at Arkansas, when they blew out the Hogs, was somewhat of a surprise. They've blown out Arkansas, and they blew out rival Louisville by 29. And really, besides that, seems like all their other games have been within 10 points or close to 10 points and have come down to the Final Four minutes. So I'm sure in the tournament – they might win a close game that comes down to the wire, but they could easily lose one. My guess is uh, that they have turned the corner, that they're going to beat Missouri, that they'll beat Ole Miss, uh, that they play at Rupp Arena on the following Tuesday. They'll lose in Florida. They'll probably go to the SEC championship game and lose in Nashville. They'll get a four or five seed, and I think they maybe make a, a Sweet 16 or a lead eight run before they're knocked out of the tournament. A lot of talent on this UK team, and they're finally starting to figure it out. 
but there are just unfortunately too many holes. They, outside of PJ Washington, no great post school, and um, outside shooting, you know, in the tournament, we see it every year that can kill a team. UK in 2010, easily the most talented team in the field, and they go 4-32 against West Virginia, and they're eliminated a, a game short of the Final Four. So I think this team ends up losing Sweet 16 Elite Eight, but they're a good team. They're a team that could make some noise. So, again, I don't think I necessarily really answered your question in an <laughs> easy and uh, a quick, prompt way. Well, we'll get you out of here on this, and it's kind of related. I mean, Kentucky, to me, is probably the SEC's best hope to make a run because I look at this league and – Tell me if you disagree. Like, there's a lot of pretty good teams. I don't think there's a great team. There's not many really bad teams, but it's all just kind of a bunch of good to pretty good teams. I, I Auburn scares the hell out of me in the tournament because they've never been there. Tennessee's going to run into a night where they score 46 points. Um, A&M can't string two games together. If Missouri doesn't get a high-level Michael Porter Jr. back, I think they're a team that has trouble winning more than a couple. I, I just – if Florida can't string two games together, Kentucky's the only one that I can look at and say – and maybe Auburn, but like I said, I just don't think they have enough experience. The only one that I look at and say I can see in a perfect world that they could make a Final Four run. I'm not saying they will, but I, I just – I think the SEC is going to end up like a really good regular season league that all kind of beat up on each other, and then they get in the NCAA tournament, and you go, oh, yeah, they were all out before the Elite Eight. And that's the unfortunate thing about judging conferences because in no, the media, we're, we're guilty of this as well. Because some years when Kentucky and Florida made the Final Four in 2014, and we had three Elite Eight teams last year in Kentucky and Florida and South Carolina, we say, look, postseason success. Our conference was good. And then, and then this year we're saying, look how deep we are. We're going to get eight to nine to ten to 11 teams. This is a really deep league. But then if everybody's out by the Sweet 16, then people are going to say, well, see, it wasn't that good of a conference. Right. So we need to try to be more consistent, and I'm guilty of it as well. This is a good conference. It's the best I think it's probably been in my lifetime since I've been following it. Uh, literally, the, the 10 seed could beat the 1 seed, and nobody would even bat an eye this year. And I think that just shows the depth of the league. Um, but I do agree with you. I don't think there's a ton of teams that can make a deep run, and I, I don't think Auburn is one of them. The teams that I have thought of that could uh, are Kentucky, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Missouri. And I'm starting to back off A&M because at what point like, you yeah. can't keep losing. You have the injury excuses, but you don't have those anymore. You just don't really seem like you're a great team. And I'm starting to get nervous about Missouri based on their loss to Ole Miss because I was able to watch the last five minutes of that game and then overtime because Kentucky was playing Arkansas. And that was weird. They just looked horrible. And I'm yes. trying to offend any of your listeners. They just looked like a really bad team that wasn't overly interested. Maybe they just thought they were going to smoke Ole Miss. And then, you know, realized they ran a little bit too deep and just couldn't get it going. But uh, I don't know what it is. I, I do think Tennessee can make a run. I think Kentucky can make a run. And then the reason I like Missouri and Texas A&M is it seems like toughness wins out. I know that's a cliche as well. Toughness wins out in the tournament. If you're a team that relies on three-point shooting, well, you know what? That you can have an off night and you can, you can go out early. But if you're a team that just rebounds well, that plays good defense, that won't be pushed around, that kind of avoids upsets. So that gets you past the first round, maybe past the second round. And then once you're on the Sweet 16, who knows what can happen. So uh, I think I'll have a better idea about Missouri after watching them against UK on Saturday. And I think I'm giving up on A&M. They'll have to do something really impressive to get me back on board. But I think it could just be Kentucky and Tennessee. 
carrying the flag for the SEC moving forward. I know Auburn fans are probably not listening to this podcast, so I'll get away <laughs> with this. But I know they're having a great season. Bruce Pearl deserves to be SEC Coach of the Year. Uh, probably also deserves to be fired after the season. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I just don't. I agree with you all one hundred percent. I don't think they're built for a great March run. They, they, tr- they try to play too fast. They don't focus in on defense. Uh, and then they also rely on the outside shot, and if that's not falling, they'll be an early out. So I think they could be a two seed that loses to a 15. Um, well, again, not to be mean, but similar to like a Missouri Norfolk State sort of deal. Yeah, I remember that game. Uh, okay, I know I said last one, but I forgot our most important question. Uh, Young Mitchell here is from Kentucky, so he may know a lot of good places, but we're in Lexington Friday night. I have to go where to eat and where to, you know, drink uh, Coke. <laughs> right, that, that's don't don't mind me asking. How old are how old are you? Forty. Just give me a range. Forty. Forty. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's that that's. Uh, I, I think you should absolutely any Missouri fan maybe under under fifty or under sixty should check out Two Keys Tavern. It only sells they only sell alcohol. They've got a little pizza shop in the back, but the pizza's not phenomenal. Uh, it's just kind of the Lexington bar when it comes for college students. But on a Saturday before the game. Or on a Friday night before it gets too late, it's still just it's a bar for any age. They have a ton of UK memorabilia. It just feels kind of like a college basketball bar, uh, which is fun. On Tuesdays, you won't be there, unfortunately, on a Tuesday. They no. have goldfish racing, which they take live goldfish, and you squirt them with water guns, and the winner ends up getting like a $500 gift card. So you'll miss out on that. But uh, that's a fun place to check out for drinks. And then closer to downtown, there's a lot of bars. All of them are kind of the same. They've got a country southern feel to them. Uh, but they're fun, and the drinks really aren't cheap. Are, are are cheap? Excuse me. That's a good thing about Lexington. You don't ever have to pay too much for beer, or alcohol, or bourbon, or whatever you're looking for. And then food, you've got to go to this place. It's called Saul Good. There's a okay. few locations in Lexington, but there's the one downtown, and it is phenomenal. It's kind of southern comfort food. Uh, they've got chicken and waffles. They do have some pizza. Like they 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 kind of master everything. They do have some unique pizzas, like a hot brown pizza, which is obviously famous in kentucky uh, but they have everything and it is all so good and their name's so good i don't know if that's their their point or that's what they're trying to get at but that's where i would advise missouri fans to eat you know what the 2013 missouri uk game uh, i covered that game and then went out afterwards and ran into so many missouri fans i think that was college game day and, I, and kentucky yeah. won and that was again, missouri's going to first the NIT. trip there yeah, yeah. yes and uh, and uh, really good missouri team but, but I saw so many Missouri fans, and they were some of the nicest fans in the SEC, really in college sports, that I've ever encountered. That I don't know if they were just happy to be a Rupp Arena or if you all are just mo- the most gracious losers I've ever seen. Uh, but I hope they enjoy their trip, and, uh, and I hope both these teams make some noise in large because that's always more fun for the fan bases. That's always more fun for our websites. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, TJ, appreciate it, man. We will uh, see you Saturday night. Thanks, TJ. All right. Thanks. You all have a good one. Safe travels, and uh, yeah, see you on Saturday. All right. Sounds good. T.J. Walker from Cats Illustrated uh, covers uh, Kentucky basketball for Rivals. They do a good job over there. One of the few sites in our network that is like, I mean, basketball's the that's the breadwinner. Absolutely. No, no question in Lexington. Okay, we turn our attention now. Obviously, uh, Lexington and and the Kentucky game on Saturday are first on the plate. But after that, and before we have another podcast. Missouri will be in Nashville, Tennessee on sorry, Nashville, Tennessee on uh on Tuesday night. We're gonna talk to Chris Lee, VandySports.com. What's up, Chris? Fun time of the year, man. Spring yeah. practice baseball and uh 
in basketball at the same time makes for busy days. <laughs> yeah, we, we like it up here now because we have a reason to pay attention to basketball. I have a reason, hopefully, to go to the tournament and skip spring football. And, you know, baseball doesn't play at home for like a month. So, uh, so we're, we are tunnel vision on college hoops right now. And, I mean, 30,000-foot view, like, look, this hasn't been a good, a good Vanderbilt season. But this team has won five games in a row at home in the SEC. So how dangerous is Vanderbilt? Gabe, I think they're dangerous at home against anybody in this league. This league has a lot of good and quality teams. It doesn't have a lot of great ones. I think they can beat anybody in that gym that they're going to play in the league any time. You know, they almost did it to Tennessee. They almost beat Kentucky twice, one of those being at Rupp Arena. They're really good offensively. When it clicks, they can shoot you out of the gym. They're a good foul shooting team. Uh, they've got a kid named Saban Lee. Gabe, you probably remember that amply yeah. who played at Florida State as a running back there and had a great career and played in the NFL. They've got some pieces. They're just woefully deficient on defenses because I think that the three of us could score on them right now. They, they miss Luke Cornett <laughs> in the biggest way imaginable, and there just isn't any fix for that. You, they have to score people, but you catch them on the wrong night, and they can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, Missouri uh, certainly knows uh, something about catching teams on the wrong night after uh, this week lost to uh, Ole Miss, so hopefully they uh, don't think they'll come in too overconfident. Uh, just uh, I know uh, Missouri fans uh, – you know, may not have, have kept up with this, but uh, one of the big uh, stories in, in recruiting is kind of the class that Vanderbilt basketball is putting together. Um, can you just kind of give us a rundown of uh, how that how that came together? With uh, They already have two, two five-star recruits and are working on another one. Yeah, this has been the most interesting year for basketball recruiting that I've ever covered. It's Bryce Drew's first time he's had a full calendar year to assemble a class, and, and it really started with Darius Garland, even though he wasn't the guy who committed first. Darius plays at Brentwood Academy, which is where Brandon Wright went, and he's right in their backyard. And he had a relationship with Bryce Drew that went back about six years before that because he grew up in Gary, Indiana, for a while until he moved to Tennessee. And Bryce, of course, coached at Valparaiso, so he came to a lot of Bryce's camps and knew him from that. Well, when Bryce came to Nashville, he picked it up and started recruiting him, which by that point, Darius had become an elite player. So they had to send off some of the big boys to get his signature, but they did. And his dad told me he thought the big thing was he'd had a relationship with Bryce that went back to when he was 12 and that he really liked him, and that's kind of what sealed the deal. Well, you guys know this as much as anybody. Once you get one of those guys, other kids are going to look, and especially if he's a point guard who can get you the ball. They were in on Simi Chateau, who's a top-10 player in the class, so he's had a knee injury and has maybe fallen a little bit, but – they have never in the history of the program had a kid like this. He's 6'9", 6'10", can run the floor, can dunk on people, can handle the ball, just an explosive athlete. And so it was kind of the conversation between the two of them that, hey, if you jump in, then I'll jump in. And with Simi, it was a case where he was looking at Arizona and North Carolina. Well, <laughs> the AAU scandal broke right about that time. That mm-hmm. took Arizona off the list, and his mom was very adamant she didn't want him going to UNC after the academic thing because he's a one-and-done type kid, but education's important. So that's two of them. The third kid was a kid named Aaron Neesmith, who may end up in the top 50. He has scored well over 2,000 points for his career now. He's an elite player at the high school level. I think scored nine three-pointers in one of those games at the Chick-fil-A tournament. So he's really good. 
They're working on Romeo Langford, who's the top shooting guard in the country and the best available prospect. I think he's sixth in the rivals' rankings. He and Darius Garland are pretty close, and they're thought to be the team to beat for him. And, and oh, by the way, they've gotten in late on E.J. Montgomery, the former Auburn commit, who's the number 11 prospect in the class. There's been some talk that if Romeo jumps in, that he may jump in. So it's been one of these things where the Garland domino, I think, was the one that sort of set it all off to begin with, and now you're seeing a residual effect from here. Chris, Vandy, obviously on the upswing. Um, Missouri has has had the big comeback this year, Auburn and Tennessee. I mean, you and I have have talked a lot over the last three or four years about just how god-awful this league has been in basketball. Is it as simple as, you know, Mike Slive and then Greg Sankey said, hey, we got to fix this, and schools went and hired good coaches? I mean, how'd this league get good? Hey, Gabe, I lost you there. Yeah. No problem. I'll uh, I'll repeat it. Just uh, we've talked a lot about how bad this league's been in basketball for three or four years. Is it as simple as they hired good coaches and, and now all these teams are getting good, or do you think there's something else that's that's kind of been a factor here? Well, the talent unmistakably is better. I was kind of looking at player of the year candidates yesterday. I made a list of fifteen or twenty guys and looked at them statistically. I mean, it's not like one guy in the league that just jumps off the page as a player of the year, as is sometimes the case. And I don't think that's the case that there aren't great players. I just think there's more really good players in the league. Gabe, I think there's 64 and five-star kids playing right now. Well, 59, uh, not including your your famous point guard, but maybe he'll be 59 playing and one watching. (laughs) Right, right. And hopefully he's he's playing by the end of it, but who knows. I just think that points to talent has gotten a lot better. I mean, you look at those names. A lot of those kids on my list were four- and five-star kids, not surprisingly. Now, why has it gotten better? I think the league has tried to emphasize basketball more, but we've been hearing this for five or six years now. Um, I think the coaching is better. Um, why is recruiting better? I don't know. Maybe when the FBI thing is done, <laughs> we'll have an explanation for that. Uh, there's been some SEC coaches mentioning that, but – Certainly, however, they got there, the talent's a lot better. You, uh, Chris, you live in a in a city that has hosted the uh, the SEC tournament uh, quite a few times. As you know, it's coming to St. Louis this year. Uh, just uh, maybe give some of our uh, Missouri fans who might be making the trip for the first time, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, what what to expect with the uh, with the whole the whole week that surrounds the event. Well, it's fun. I always like it covering as a media member. I'm, I'm one of the guys who will actually stick around a lot of times and watch the other games when I'm done just because to, to get a chance to see that many kids up close, I feel like you have a really good idea of, of kind of what's coming for next year because you get to see a lot of the players and the supporting players who will jump up in their role for next year and play a bigger role. You get to see those kids to watch. Um, you know, number two this year – so much is at stake. There are so many teams that have got a chance to get bids that are playing for seeding. you got teams like Missouri, maybe Mississippi State, that are playing to try to get in. So I think you've got drama there. And I think this year might be more interesting than others because those, those Wednesday games where the 11 through 14 are playing are just such duds usually. This year I think you have teams that actually can, can win games coming out of that. I mean, Vanderbilt's not had a good season. They're 11 and 17. Now, a lot of that's come because they've played one of the toughest five schedules in the country, and they've lost a lot of lost a lot of close games. The point there being, Vanderbilt can beat teams on a given night when it shoots, 
And where we and Gabe, you can attest. There's been so many Wednesdays we've just watched teams that were just abysmal. I think this yes. year there are at least some quality NIT type teams. You know whether they win enough games to to get there or not is another thing. But you look at the computer ratings and the Pomeroys, and I don't think there's anybody outside maybe the top 90 at this point. I just think that from a competitive standpoint in a tournament sense, you got one of those teams that could jump up and win two or three games coming out of Wednesday. That's not something we can often say looking in. I, I think that it just sets up to be a fascinating tournament for all those reasons, plus just getting to watch the talent, like I mentioned earlier. Last thing for you, Chris. I know both teams have a game before it, but I, you know, Missouri's at Kentucky. That game is what it is. I, I think Missouri's season and tournament hopes, boy, they they hinge a lot on being able to come to Nashville and getting a win. Um, so Vanderbilt wins that game if what? Are you talking about the Vanderbilt Missouri game? Yes. 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 Or? Yeah. Vanderbilt Missouri on Tuesday night. Vanderbilt wins that game, beats Missouri if they do what? Oh, uh, <laughs> shoot small. I mean, this, yeah, look, they're, they're not going to defend right? anybody. They don't have the ability to do it. But, you know, if you catch them on one of those nights where they're, you know, say six of 29 from three, then Missouri's got a chance to win that game. But if you catch them on one of those nights, you know, where they're 13 for 27, like they're prone to go, especially at home, you know, it's like I said, it's been tough for anybody to beat them there lately. Yeah. All right, well, Chris, appreciate it, man, and we will uh, definitely hit you up when we get into town on Tuesday. Yep, thanks, Chris. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, have a good one. Chris Lee, VandySports.com. I've never – I've been to football at Vandy. I've been to baseball at Vandy. I have never seen a basketball game in that weird arena. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the uh, the benches underneath the baskets. All right, so we'll wrap this up pretty quick, but I touched on it there at the end with Chris. To me – like, Saturday is just – it's an all-upside game. Whatever. If you go get beat by Kentucky, so be it. You go get beat by Kentucky. Don't get beat so bad that it beats you again. But that game's not one anybody counts on as a, as a win. To me, Missouri's season comes down to Tuesday at Vanderbilt and Saturday at home against Arkansas. If those games are wins, this is an NCAA tournament team. If they aren't both wins, St. Louis is going to get real interesting. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean uh... – it's been it's been obviously difficult to to predict exactly what it's going to take to make the tournament, but uh, you know if they go if they go one and two or even zero oh and three from here on out, you got to expect uh, you know a run at least as far as the title game, if not to to win it in St. Louis to to give them a good shot. So. Yeah, I think if they go one and two and they could get they could still get in by getting to the semis. Maybe mm-hmm. if they go zero oh and three, like they've got to be playing on on. Saturday or Sunday, Sunday whatever think, the yeah. last day of it is. I don't, I don't know anymore. They've moved them around so much, but uh, should be interesting. Uh, two road games, and, and look again. Like I know we make light of it. Look, Michael's at the doctor. That is the ex- or was or is going to be. I don't know. That's the extent of what we know. Conzo Martin's going to talk tomorrow. Maybe we'll know more then. Maybe we won't know more then. Uh, same as it's been all year, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be great. Like in all seriousness, and look, this is not me saying that we deserve anything or that this is what the team has to do. This is me selfishly. I'd like a resolution, Absolutely. whatever that resolution is. I'd love to know it tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it, it is, it has consumed our, our message boards. So we would like to, you know, focus a little bit more on the players on the court, on the court if possible. Chances we get that resolution tomorrow. Uh, slim to none. Yeah. I, I'd say like 30%, but we'll see. So anyway, um, Mitchell and I hitting the road this afternoon. We'll be out at the football recruiting reception in St. Louis. We'll pass on some some notes from that tonight. 
Uh, hit the road for Lexington tomorrow, Nashville on Tuesday. We will be at every game Missouri plays the rest of the way. So uh, should be fun. Thanks for listening. And we will be back next week talking the regular season finale against Arkansas and then the SEC tournament.